Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Today, as we continue the story, uh, we have the opportunity to, to look at the Ten Commandments, probably one of the best-known lists uh, ever assembled, and also see the covenant and agreement, the relationship that God wants to have with each one of us. And as we consider that uh, here, here at Crosswalk and, and, and in the area, uh, sometimes we use the example of when God throws Christians into the, the world, it's like throwing a rock into a lake. And, and what happens is you get these waves that come out, these concentric circles. And, and God wants us to make waves not only here in Levine, but throughout the world. And it's something that we continually try to do at Crosswalk. And one of the ways that we do it also is to support a high school in this area, Arizona Lutheran Academy. And one of the things that Arizona Lutheran Academy, ALA, does is as they share God's word inside their school, one of the ways that they've tried to make a bigger splash, not only in the Phoenix area, but throughout the world, is by taking international students. And international students are different from foreign exchange students. A foreign exchange student would be a student that would come for a year just to try to get the cultural experience of being in the United States. And very often, a foreign exchange student, when they go to classes, uh, it doesn't necessarily count for their education. They're just coming for that experience. But an international student is different. An international student would come for four years. And it is their goal uh, with many international students to come to a high school in the United States to excel in academics. Uh, For many of them, if not all of them, their goal would be to get into an Ivy League school, uh, to get a, a very good education, and then probably to make tons of money. Uh, that would be kind of the path of an international student. And so as Arizona Lutheran Academy recognizes that, that they have this desire to come to the United States and have a, a great high school education, they have also seen it as an opportunity to share Christ and Christianity with these students as well. And so they have started an international program uh, with a few students. And with these students, then, since they don't have a dorm setting, uh, what they do is they have these students live in the homes uh, of some of the the people in the area, anyone who would be willing to house them. I'm familiar with this because in the church I used to be at, we had a similar program, and... They are usually looking for people to host uh, these kids and have them live in their home and be part of their family. And if that sounds like something that would be kind of fun to you, to have someone from another culture come and live in your house and be part of your family, I'm going to tell you that it is. But I would also say that if there was anyone who was considering doing that, um, it's not all roses And it's not easy. You should go in with both eyes open, understanding that it can be challenging. Our family had two students, uh, two different boys live with us for a while. 
And one of the difficult parts is, is as they come into your home and they have their own cultural background and you have your own culture inside of your home, uh, one of the mistakes that we made is we never really talked about that before they came to live with us. We just kind of like, they moved in and, and we started doing life together. And that's when you realize that with the cultural differences, they can cause some, some problems. And one of them specifically, and I don't know if it was because of their culture or simply because they were high school age boys, but um, they really didn't listen to my wife. I mean, she could tell them something and they, they would act like they never heard it. Uh, times when they, they would, she would ask them to do something, they'd just say no. And then I would come and have to come in and kind of be the heavy and say, look, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, there were other issues that we ran into, and, and, and this was also, I think, part of their culture. They were used to having uh, people do everything for them, which means that after a meal, they were used to just leaving everything on the table, uh, walking to their room and having someone take care of it. And even though uh, usually with an international student, you're, you're given something like $15 a day to feed them and to house them and to get them where they need to go, uh, that I uh, had to let them know that $15 a day doesn't cover maid service, okay? And, and so uh, it, it was, you know, you, you're going to need to, if you made the mess, the ruler on the house is you make the mess, you clean it up. And, uh, and then also the way living in a family works is sometimes even if you didn't make the mess, you clean it up. And that's called chores. And uh, that's something that everyone has, a responsibility for things that go on in this house. Another issue was internet use. Uh, Because they were from the Far East, uh, the times when they could talk to their friends uh, back in, in the country they came from was usually two or three in the morning was the optimum time to do that. And so on school nights, they would do that, you know, get on, start Skyping with their friends. Then the next morning, they wouldn't want to get up to go to class. And then I would have to remind them, remember, that's why you're here, is to go to class. And, and then they would go to school, and then they would sleep through the whole day of classes. Then their teachers would call, and then they would say, you know, you've got to get these kids to bed. And so there was this frustration. So what do you do? Unplug the, the Internet then at a certain time? And then there was an issue of language as well, where when the kids came, they signed a document that said, we will not speak our native language because we're here to learn English. And in order to do that, we need to be immersed in it. And we promise that we will simply speak English so that we learn it better. But then when they would come to our home and they would start Skyping or they would have other friends from the same country come over to our house, uh, they would break that. It was frustrating. And, and it, it got to the point where it became so frustrating that you begin to question whether it's worth it to have them in your house. And they begin to question whether they even want to be in your house. And so if anyone was going to do that, what I realized what the, the issue was is that where we made the problem was from the start. And at the start, I would suggest that if anyone's considering doing that, and, and it can be a very rewarding experience, but what I would suggest is just having a few rules to start out with. And, and it could have avoided many of these things. And I would start out with a rule about respect. 
respecting our rules, respecting the authority of, of the parents in the house. Another one rule that I would make has to do with uh, helping around the house and the expectation that by virtue of living here, by virtue of being treated as part of our family, there are going to be certain expectations of you, including cleaning your room, and, uh, and, and here it is. Another one would be use of the internet uh, on school nights. And I, I don't know if I would necessarily say that you have to have a bedtime, but you have to have a bedtime. And that is a time when we can expect that you're not going to be on your computer, uh, that you are going to be getting ready for the next day and, and uh, preparing, because that's why you're here, is for school. Simply having a few rules and a few guidelines can make a relationship much better because then both sides have a clear expectation of what should be going on. See, this is what God had to do with the children of Israel. Because when he came to them through Moses, remember that they had been living in a foreign country for 400 years. And over those 400 years, they were influenced by culture. They were influenced by what the Egyptians did. And many of the things that the Egyptians did, the Israeli people, the Jewish people, started doing as well. And for that reason, when God came to them through Moses and he led them out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai, that God wanted to make it clear what his expectations was for them. And he didn't want to necessarily give them uh, a bunch of rules that were, were going to uh, just overwhelm them. But what he did is, is he boiled it down to 10 simple rules, 10 simple commands that would show what he expected of them and, and what they could expect of him. And we call that the Ten Commandments. Now, as we, we consider that the Ten Commandments, different people's views of the Ten Commandments are very interesting, especially when we consider the Ten Commandments in the culture in which we live. The most recent, uh, I don't know if I'll call it an attack against the Ten Commandments, but I, I guess you could say that it is, um, came from the AHA, American Humanist Association, and they were a group that uh, went around and, and wanted to make it so that the Ten Commandments could not be in any courthouses. And so there was a situation in Alabama where a, a chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court was told to take down the Ten Commandments. He refused to do it, and then he was removed from his office uh, because of that. And there have been other ones, uh, other cases throughout the country where, where they have done that, where they have said... Those Ten Commandments need to be taken down from the courthouse. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Many Christians were outraged, right? That's how, how dare they take those Ten Commandments now? But I'm going to argue that if you are someone here who is not a Christian, really the Ten Commandments... Uh, are not the place where you should start. And I would even argue more that maybe the Ten Commandments don't belong in our courthouse. And this is why. The 
first commandment is you shall have no other gods. Are you ready to legislate that? Do we really want to go back to the, the 14, 15, 1600s and have a, 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 a religion that's put on you by the state? Is that true faith? To be told you can have no other gods? And remember what the penalty was for having another god with the Israelites? The penalty was death. And then the second law we're going to have to have is you can't misuse the name of the Lord your God. So are you ready to write out a check for a fine for $1,000, for $5,000, for $10,000? If you use the name of Jesus in vain, if you ever damn someone to hell, if you ever swear, you want that law in the books? It might help our church attendance. We say, uh, remember the Sabbath day. Uh, You have to come to church. And so here's what's happening. While you're here at church, police are checking the residences around Chavez uh, to make sure everyone is here today and they're not breaking the law. Think about that just for a moment. And then I want you to, to think about it this way. The Ten Commandments with Christians... 46% of Christians can name five of the Ten Commandments. And 54% can name less or none. The last I checked, it is not against the law to have the Ten Commandments in your home. How many of you do? How many of you have a a document of the Ten Commandments where you can look at them on a regular basis as a way in which you are going to live your life? So I guess what I'm telling you is maybe we'll fight the courthouse battle later. But before that, why don't we look into our own lives? And even more than that, into our own hearts. Because when God gave these, he didn't mean for them to be associated with a courthouse but rather he wanted it to be associated with what it meant to be his child. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. We're going to name them, okay? So here we are. Uh, now, we, now you get your chance. What is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. You know what? I'm going to give you, the, this could be family feud. Uh, we could have divided and have you come up and give a commandment. That is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. And now I put in there, uh, there's a 1A. And the reason why is because there are two different numberings of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you knew this or not. But especially if you came from a Reform or a Baptist background, the numbering that you have is different than uh, the Catholic and Lutheran church have. There's still ten. Uh, but, but in the Reformed churches, the second commandment would be very similar to the first. Uh, you shall have no carved idols. So you, you should never worship any type of idol that is carved out of wood or stone and bow down to it. Then we go to the second commandment, which is... Okay, Lord's name in vain. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. However you want to say it. Uh, it has to do with uh, protecting God's name. And there we get the cursing, the swearing, lying or deceiving by God's name. Third commandment. Sabbath day. See, I kind of gave this to you already. 
So the first three are pretty easy. The Sabbath day. And this isn't necessarily taking a day where you can't work. Even though the, the Bible says God in six days created the, the, the world. And then on the seventh day, he ceased his creating activity. Uh, but this is remembering the rest that we have, the Sabbath, the rest that we have in Jesus. Fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Very good. And notice, it's the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. And when you think about it, this commandment makes sense. Because think about what your mother told you when you were little. Don't run with scissors. That's going to help your life go a little bit longer. Um, Don't put your hands on the stove. All right. Don't play with the knives. Thanks, Mom. When you're borrowing the car... Observe the speed limit. I don't want you speeding in my car. Thanks, Mom. All of, don't text and drive. All of those things that a parent is going to tell you that is going to help your life, uh, the quality be good, and the length of it, hopefully, uh, you will live longer. Fifth commandment. See, this is where we start to get to. Uh, we're going to get to these people, and this is where you're going to feel uncomfortable yelling the wrong answers. Fifth commandment, do not murder. Uh, and, and so as we look at that, the, the murder, and, and not only uh, murder, but also when Jesus talks about this, says anyone who says to his brother, you fool, uh, calling names, anything you do to hurt the life, the quality of life of a person is included in that. Sixth commandment, do not commit adultery. Very good. Uh, being faithful uh, to the vows you make at your wedding. Seventh commandment. Very good. Now we got that one down. Do not steal. Having to do with possessions. Protecting yours and those of your neighbor. Eighth commandment. Very good. We have, it, someone have these written down or got a, their app out on their phone. Yeah, there's, yeah, exactly. Has their Bible open. Well done. Well played. Um, so no line. And, and the eighth commandment, I hope you see, is very similar to the second. The second commandment protects God's name and his reputation. The eighth commandment protects your name and your reputation. The ninth commandment, do not covet your neighbor's house. And the tenth commandment, and this is where the, the Reformed churches would lump nine and ten together. So that's where we end up at 10 again. Then the 10th commandment, do not covet your neighbor's wife, workers, animals, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So as we look at this, understand, first of all, I want you to think in terms of these 10 commandments as God showing love. Because each one of them protects a wonderful gift that he's given to you. First of all, he protects his place as God. Because if you have a false God, you are in for a miserable life. The second commandment, don't misuse his name because his name was given so that you would know him and believe in him and go to heaven. So don't use it to damn someone to hell. That's the exact opposite use of it that it's supposed to be. The third commandment, reminding you to rest and not just rest physically, but to rest spiritually. Take time to consider him because our lives get so busy that we don't do that. Again, fourth commandment, those in authority, recognizing authority because Sometimes having these rules and a structure is a gift. Again, our life, protecting marriage, sixth commandment, protecting our, our, our 
property, our reputation. And then finally, ninth and tenth commandment, what do they protect? Your heart. And maybe even I might even say your happiness. Because if you live always wanting something that someone else has, always, always looking to the side instead of counting the blessings that God has given you, you are going to be miserable. And so as we go to our crosswalk notes, the reminder that God did this um, because he cares about us is Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. This is how the commandments start. He starts the commandments by saying, I am the Lord. Not I am your judge, not I'm your boss, not I'm your king, but I am the Lord. I'm your savior, God. Last week I said, I'm Iron Man. I'm the one who saves you. I'm the one who cares so much about you. And I'm giving you these things because I care about you and love you. Jesus, I'm sorry, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. So when you think of the Ten Commandments, think of them given in love as a parent who gives rules to help their children. Jesus summarized, uh, he was uh, approached about the Ten Commandments, and, and actually it was a situation where there was going to be a trap. They were trying to trap him by asking which one of the Ten Commandments is most important. And, and Jesus was happy to answer and summarize the Ten Commandments when he said in Matthew 22, he said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Loving the Lord. His love for us and our love for him. And so we see the Lord gave the Ten Commandments out of love to protect his people and the gifts he gives us. What a blessing in our relationship with God, that he would give us some guidelines on how to approach him and how he deals with us. But that is really just the start of how God was going to deal with his people, with these commands. Because with these commands, he also was establishing a covenant, an agreement on how he would deal with them. And that agreement we can see on the next passage in Leviticus 26, verses 3 and 12. He said, if you follow my decrees, so if you're keeping these commandments, these Ten Commandments, and are careful to obey my commands, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. That's the old covenant. That is the commands that God gave. And, and God was faithful to that. If you look at one of the reasons why God gave a covenant like this, it was because for 1,500 years, God kept his side of the covenant perfectly, flawlessly. It, it was a reminder to them at any time that for anyone who comes to the Lord with a, with a clean heart, with a pure heart, who wants to do what is right, that the Lord's promise is he is going to be there and he is going to bless you, period. It might not be giving you everything you want whenever you want it, but he will bless you and he will be with you. So God makes this agreement with the people, right? And it lasts 
less than a month. Moses told the people, I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to go up on Mount Sinai. And um, I'm going to return to you, okay? So, so you guys be ready. And Moses had done this before, to go and meet with the Lord. And he had been gone for a day or two. And then he would come back. But on this time, they, they saw Mount Sinai, which God had said anyone who touches the mountain was going to die because no one can approach the Lord. If any animal goes up there, they're going to die. If any person goes up there, they are going to die. It was a reminder that God is perfect and God is holy. And if you are not perfect or holy, you cannot approach him. So Moses starts up the mountain. And they see the fire up on top. It looks like a forest fire up there. It's consuming fire. And they watch Moses walk into it. They watch as far as they can see until he's gone. Didn't take a lunchbox. Didn't take a water bottle. What is he thinking? Now we're going to have to call uh, emergency services to get the helicopter out to go see that Moses is okay. Probably dehydrated up there. Think about it. How long, if someone went on a hike, do you think they could make it in, in, in the desert? Three days? Seven days? 14 days? 28 days? 35 days, you're five weeks in. And that's when the people started getting a little nervous and saying, you know what, he's not coming back. And if he's not coming back, where are we going to go? We're going to go second in charge. It was Moses, and then it was the priest, who was Aaron. Aaron, you need to help us. We need someone to lead us. And so what we want you to do is break the first and the second commandment about having other gods, because we need someone or something to go ahead of us. It's going to be this calf. And so the people come to this conclusion that that's what they're going to do. In order to get what they want, they're going to break the covenant and see how that works. And once you break the first rule, notice how quickly all the rest fell as well. When Moses came down, it was like spring break uh, in the camp. Israelis gone wild. Uh, that as you look at it, there was drinking, there was things with uh, women, all of that. And just, it, it was horrible. And, and he, he, he couldn't believe his eyes when he walked down there uh, at everything that was going on. And it was the promise that God had made. I'm going to keep my side of the covenant, but you can't keep yours. And, and so also part of that covenant is not just to be their God when when they are obeying, but it's also to punish when they are not. And it ends badly. The Ten Commandments went on from there that people started to look at it in in an improper way, as a way to have a covenant with God. Instead of the commands of God, they looked at it as the covenant of God. And so in Jesus' ministry, he dealt with that. In Matthew chapter 19, Matthew records it. The situation where an individual comes to Jesus and says, I know that you're good. And, and because of that, I want you to help me in my relationship with God. I just don't know if God likes me. So Jesus said, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. Here you go. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. All right, go ahead. Just do that. Which ones? He inquired. Are you serious? You grew up in a Jewish home your whole life, and you don't know what commands to keep? It's the Ten Commandments. Come on. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gave six of the ten. All right. Uh, more than most people could give. And so as Jesus was saying these words to him, uh, that, that the man replied, all these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? And so this is the thing with the covenant, with people who think, and, and, and there are people who think they don't do anything wrong. In my ministry, I have had one person, one person that I talked to me, it talked to me, said, I don't think I have ever sinned ever. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, and then this is, I sorry, and then I, my joke is, and then I married her. <laughs> but um, um, any of the drums. Uh, but no, it, it was not my wife. But it was a person, and she was serious. And so I asked her, what about Peter denying Jesus? Peter should go to hell. Uh, what about all the rest of the disciples that fled Jesus? All of them should go to hell. Except people like me who are perfect. Wow. And see, here's the thing, is that this individual, he hadn't kept all the commandments. He had broken them. And that is why down deep, notice the, the burning question is, what else do I lack? And, and, and there was this God-sized hole in his heart that all the obedience in the world could not fill. And so what does Jesus tell him? Jesus touches him right where it hurts when he said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the very next verse says, and the man went away sad because he had great what Jesus was telling him is, you know which commandment you're breaking, bud? It's the first one. Because money has taken the place of God. And as long as that is there, uh, that, that hole in your heart that you're trying to fill with money will never be full without me. In Romans, the Apostle Paul, when wrote, writing to these people, really gave, and, and for us, an explanation of also why God gives the Ten Commandments. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. If you're looking for God to say, oh, you're a great person, you've done so many great things, you're not going to get it in the Ten Commandments in the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That the law is like a mirror that shows us where we have failed. So that when we look at ourselves, it's like seeing the spot on your shirt or the thing on your face or, or whatever it is or the way that your hair is messed up. And, and it shows your imperfection. And so the Ten Commandments are the sign of a covenant that no one can keep. No one can keep. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these people that, that we're constantly, the, it's the next thousand years. We're people going back and forth, uh, not believing God, believing God, breaking the covenant, God punishing them, then God bringing them back, then them believe, God bless them, then they would fall away. And it was the cycle that continued and continued. And Jeremiah tells us about what God had in mind. When he said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with my people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my heart in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. See, the commands came on Mount Sinai and they came in the the tablets of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, Those tablets that you have on, on the front of your program. But what the people of Israel were not looking at was the covenant side, the agreement side. And that came in a tent. And the tent was called the tabernacle, and it looks something like this. The recreation of what the tabernacle looked like. And it was placed in the center of the camp. And what would happen would God would come there with a cloud during the day, and it would be, look like a fire at night. And it was also called the tent of meeting. It was the place where you could go, or not you, but a priest could go, if going the way that God prescribed it, in the way that God said it, it is the way that someone could approach, the priest could approach God, the high priest. And in that tabernacle, in the way back, in a place called the most holy place, was something called the Ark of the Covenant. And it looked something like this. And on the Ark of the Covenant, where the, where the angels had their wings, right underneath that is a place called the Mercy Seat. And, and the picture that God gave to his people that when I see you, I'm going to look at you through the Mercy Seat. That is going to be the lens through which I look at my people. And then he said, what I want you to do is I want you to take a lamb and I want you to sacrifice it and I want you to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat so that as I look at you through the lens, I'm going to do it with not rose-colored glasses, but blood-covered glasses so that when I see you, I am going to see the sacrifice of the lamb. And, and that is what the covenant is going to be based on. It's not going to be based on how you keep those commands, but it's going to be based on the sacrifice that is made for your sin. And that is why we are told it, it, it's meant to point ahead to Jesus, the Lamb of God. But that is why when Jesus was on the cross, paying for the sins of all people, and when he shouted, It is finished, and he died, the payment for sins was made. We are told that in the, in the temple, which was the physical building that replaced the tabernacle, that in that building there was a huge curtain, and the curtain was torn in two. It, it fell down. So now, all of a sudden, a place where only the priests could have access, the world could have access. The world could have access to God through Jesus Christ. And that makes you one of God's priests, someone who can approach God, whether it be in prayer. Anytime you want to talk to God, God is accessible to you through the new covenant fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 21 and 22 says it this way. But now, apart from the law, so if you're talking about God liking you, forget again. Forget the commands. Think of the covenant, the tabernacle, the temple, the cross. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this way of being right with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so the only way we could be with God is through a new covenant. A new covenant established through Christ. 
That's the agreement that God has with you. That he will love you and you will forgive and he will forgive your sins. The one-sided covenant. No strings attached. God's unconditional love because it's the only covenant we can live with. But we continue that God's promise is also that because of this covenant, he will go with us. Exodus 33 says this. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us away from here. That Moses knew that if he was going to go on in his life from Mount Sinai, that he needed God to go along with him. That he had the commands, that he had the covenant, but what he really needed is this relationship with God to be with him, to be accessible at any time, to help him and protect him. And so what, was, what did God do? Exodus 40 verse 38 says, So the glory of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all of their travels. God was with them. Wake up in the morning, what are we going to do today? Look at the tabernacle. If, if the cloud is there, we stay. If the cloud gets up and heads on, then we move. And so, as we see, God's greatest desire then is to be involved in your life. He wanted to be there every step of the way with his people. He wanted to lead them. And he wants to lead you as well. For the people, God leading them was pretty simple. As I said, it was just a matter of looking at the cloud. Maybe even looking at the commands Yeah, they could look at those commands because that is also the way God wanted them to live, to protect those gifts that he had given. But now my question to you is, what does it look like when God is leading you in your life? When I got here this morning, there was no cloud over Chavez. uh, That that's not the way God leads us. I don't get a pillar of fire telling me where to go in the morning. And, and the thing about it is, is sometimes I, I get this, that people will t- tell me something like, you know, I really believe the Lord is, is leading me to do this. And I'm going to tell you to, to look out for that. And this is why. Because I guarantee you there were Israelis in the camp who said, you know what? I really believe the Lord is leading us to make this calf. Uh, that, that since Moses is here, God's, God's talking to my heart to tell me to, to build this and, and so that we have something. There were false prophets in Israel that the kings would get to tell them what they wanted to hear and say, yeah, this is what God is leading us to do. But really, the only way that God speaks to us today is through his word. And I would ask you to possibly start with the Ten Commandments. People coming to me and they talk to me and they said, you know, we don't want, we don't know what God wants us to do in our marriage goodness sakes, sixth commandment, do not commit adultery, love your wife, love your husband, Uh, work this out with forgiveness. That's the place to start, isn't it? As as you look at, if you truly want to know what God wants you to do, want to know what God wants you to do, put him first in your life. Trust him to work out the details. That is why we encourage you on a regular basis as you read, whether it's the story as your next step, or, or that you, you do soap journals where you search, that you observe what God is saying, that you apply it to your life, and then you pray about it on where God is, is, is telling you where to go. 
That's why we talk about the next step in the communication card of saying, Lord, I've heard your word today, and as you have spoken to me, I understand this is where you are telling me to go. And then, pray to the Lord to be with you, because his promise is that he will. That's the promise as you leave here today, that God has made a covenant with you. It's an agreement that you are not alone, that he is with you. And so, It was meant to encourage the people, and it's meant to encourage you as well. May God go with you on your way. It's his promise to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you gave us the Ten Commandments. And and it's a gift to us because it helps us understand our, our relationship with you and the things that are important to you and need to be important to us. Lord, forgive us for the times we have broken them. Uh, help us to, to understand that we have this covenant with you where you have forgiven us for all the times we have broken your law. And now, Lord, having been forgiven by Christ, help us look at the, the Ten Commandments differently, not as something we have to do, not even as something that we should do, but rather as something that we want to do out of love and out of thanks for all that you have done for us. Please be with us as we go from here, Lord. Uh, lead us guide us, protect us on this journey until one day we are with you in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go from here today, uh, you have the Cliff Note version of the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But if through the week you're looking, uh, Exodus 20 is where the commandments are found. And, and actually, Jesus did a sermon uh, that Matthew records in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you really want to, to get the spirit of the commandments, they are found there. would encourage you to look there as well. But even more than that, as we look at this lesson, to remember the covenant. God's covenant of love that he has shown to you in Jesus Christ. And now as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Now take a moment to greet those sitting next to you and have a great day.